Hey, what's up? My name is Steven, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Last week we talked about how do we um, react, how do we respond to the names of God, and um, we we start with praise. We we praise His name. We do that, and we work our way to trusting, honoring, calling on His name. And really, the ultimate goal is so that we can proclaim His name, so that God's name, not just His name, but who He is, can be made famous throughout the earth, so that He can get glory, because His name is tied to His nature. And looking at the different names, we sang about some of them today. And um, our, our English language is very poverty stricken, stricken when it comes to the names of God. Everything is in our English Bibles is translated Lord or God. But when you read the original Hebrew text, there's all these different names, Adonai, Elohim, El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom. And each name um, gives us a window into the nature of his character and who he is and what he does. And um, I made this statement, and I'll say it multiple times throughout this. This is why we're doing this series. Because I don't want us just to know about God. I want us to know God. And I said this last week. It says, the more, the more Yahweh is known, the more the Lord is known, the more the I am is known, the more he is trusted, and the more Yahweh is trusted, the more he is sought to be trusted. And so that's our goal. And John said that, that everyone who called upon the name of the Lord and recognized him by that name, they had to walk through a season to where they needed God to provide whatever he provided in that. And it was that experience, knowing him, that they began to trust him to a greater degree. And so as we learn the names of God, I don't want it just to be more information that you know, because I think the, the modern church, I won't say just American, the modern church is way more educated beyond the level of obedience we want to walk out, right? And so it's not that I want us to know more. It's really I want us to do more. And it's not just to do more for the sake of, it's moving forward in faith with him. Right? And so the more Yahweh is known, the more he's trusted, the more he's trusted, the more we seek to trust him and put ourselves in uncomfortable, faith-filled circumstances. And Psalm 910 says this. It says, those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. Those who know your name trust in you. And that word no, K-N-O-W, is not the typical no like what you and I, because I know a lot of people. As a church planner, I try to do, as a pastor, like one of the gifts I feel like God has given me is just to know people. I, I can recognize faces. I can remember some names. If not, I get real close. Um, I can remember, like, I, but, but I don't know you, Right? I know about you, but the person in my life that I probably know the most about and know, know is my wife. 
We've been together since I was 16. We took a break in college. My daughters aren't dating at 16, okay? You know, let me just say, do as dad says, not as dad did, right? But I know her. And so this word know is not like, like you guys know each other, but it's much more intimate. And so it's to know, it's this Greek word or Hebrew word, yada. Everyone say yada. Yada. And it means to know intimately by experience, to know intimately by experience. That means that, that, that you've done some things together, like, like you've, you've walked through some seasons, you've lived some life together, and this word yada is actually the same Hebrew word that's used in Genesis chapter four when it says Adam knew Eve again and brought forth a son and named him Seth. And so that, that knowing is so intimately, it's, it's the intimate relationship between a husband and a wife that you know every part, that you know every thought, that you know them intimately. And that's, that is the word that's used in this verse in Psalm, that we are to know God, not just to know about him, but to know him intimately through experiences. One of the books that I read prior to moving to Murfreesboro. And if you're a reader or you listen to audiobooks, I highly recommend Experiencing God. It's by Henry Blackaby, and the co-author actually lives here in Murfreesboro, and I didn't know it. I read this book before I moved to Murfreesboro. Guess what? I moved to Murfreesboro, and one of the co-authors lives in Murfreesboro. It's a Godwink, right? But he talks about, like, you can't fully experience God unless you walk through experiences um, with him. And so if you're a reader, I want to encourage you to read that. But we're going to look today at, at, at this name El Shaddai. Um, and we're going to pick up in Exodus chapter 6. And, and the precursor to Exodus chapter 6, um, Moses has been called by God to, to go into Egypt and to um, say to Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses tries to give God all these excuses. I don't speak very well. They're not going to listen to me. Who do I say has sent me? And that's when God reveals himself through the burning bush to say that I am has sent you. Um, Yahweh has sent you. And so Moses is obedient. He goes and he tells Pharaoh, hey, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, whoa, let my people go. And what does Pharaoh say? No, 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 no. Right? You had to grow up in the 90s to know that song, right? And so Pharaoh says, no, your people are just lazy. I'm going to make them work even harder. They're not wanting to go worship. They're wanting to go on vacation. And I'm going to make them work even harder. And so he puts more pressure on them. And then the Hebrews come back. The, the foremen and the leaders of the nation come back to Moses and says, what are you doing? Shut your mouth and go away. Like you've made things worse for us. And then Moses takes the complaint uphill, which is what we do. He comes to God and says, what are you doing? Like, you're not doing anything. You might as well have given me a sword. You've made it worse. You're not doing anything to rescue them. And this is where we pick up in Exodus chapter six. Then the Lord speaks and he says this, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. When he feels the force of my strong hand, he will let the people go. In fact, he's not just going to let them go. He's going to force them to leave. And God says to Moses, I am Yahweh, the Lord. This is the second time God has revealed his personal, eternal name, Yahweh, to him. He says, I am Yahweh, the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as El Shaddai, God Almighty, but I did not reveal my name. 
I did not reveal my personal name. I did not reveal my eternal name to them. I, re, I reaffirmed my covenant with them. Under its terms, I promised to give them the land of Canaan where they were living as foreigners. You can be sure that I've heard the groans of the people of Israel who are now slaves to the Egyptians, and I am well aware of the covenant that I made with them. Let me pause just a moment. What, what God is saying is saying, look, I'm revealing more of myself to you than what I did to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if, if I did not reveal to them my personal eternal name and fulfilled the promises that I made to them, how much more am I going to do with you and for you now that I have revealed myself completely to you? And he says this, he says, therefore, so knowing all this, I didn't even reveal Yahweh to Abraham, and I've kept my promises to him. How much more will I keep my promises to you? Therefore, knowing this, say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression, and I will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. Verse seven, I will claim you as my own people. I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord God who has freed you from your oppressors in Egypt. That word know, the same word, the same word yada. It's not just a knowing where you're gonna hear about me. No, Moses, you and your people, you're going to experience me. You're going to experience my power. You're going to see what I do with Pharaoh and then you will know that I am the Lord your God who has freed you. I will bring you into the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as your very own, own possession. And he ends with this. He says, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. He says, after I've done all of this, you will yada. You will know. You will know that I am Yahweh. You will know that I am El Shaddai. And, and what's funny is like, I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, why did you not reveal yourself completely to Abraham? And so we're going to go back to Genesis now. So let's turn to Genesis and we'll, we'll talk about chapters 15, 16, and 17 I'm sorry, um, yeah, 15, 16, and 17, but we'll, we'll dig into Genesis chapter 17 and look at the moment where God reveals himself as El Shaddai to Abraham. Go to Genesis chapter 17, verse one, and it says this. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am, what do he say? I am El Shaddai, God Almighty, Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life, and I will make a covenant with you by which I will guarantee, not you, I will guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this, Abraham fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, this is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, Abraham, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, I'm calling you Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations, and I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. Now, prior to this, God has showed up and had some conversations with Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, he calls him from the land he was living and says, Get moving, and I'll show you where to go as you're going there. 
I'm not taking that road trip. I want to know a destination so I can put it in my GPS and see um, how much time I can shave off of what Google's telling me. Anybody else, right? Come on, give me five minutes. I'm going to take five minutes off at least, right? And so God's saying, look, go to the place and I'll show you, I'll show you where you're going as you're going there. And then he shows up sometime later and says, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. And Abraham is like, but, but I don't even have a son. And God is like, but you're going to have a son. And Abraham's like, how's this going to happen? I know biology and I'm too tired, boss. Like, like it's not, it's not happening. And so then we see God confirm his covenant with him. And, and he reveals himself as El Shaddai, El Shaddai. This name, when you look up different scholars and commentaries, and there's a bunch of different ways to word it, but the ways I want to word it is, is this. El Shaddai means um, all-powerful, that all power is his. It means almighty, that all might, like whatever he puts his mind to, his might to will be accomplished. And then it actually means the one who nourishes and satisfies. And, and one of the Hebrew root words um, Shad is actually is, is akin to like the nurturing of a mother to a child. And so if you think of El Shaddai, that he is all-sustaining, all-nourishing, all-powerful, and, and he reveals himself to Abraham as this. And when, when we think about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we, we see this all throughout the Old Testament, reveals as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Whenever they refer to God as El Shaddai, it's always tied to a blessing of fruitfulness and multiplication and many descendants. And so he is the one who nourishes. He is the one who, who sustains. And I want to look at, at three kind of angles this morning as the characteristic of, of this El Shaddai, of the Almighty. What is it that makes him Almighty. And, and the first one is actually this the Almighty keeps his word. The Almighty keeps his word. And a lot of times we think that he's not keeping his word. Um, he's really what's going on is he's working in his time frame, he's working in his season. If there's a delay, it's, it's for a good reason. It's often because we're trying to get ahead of God and he's slowing us down. Right? Or he's trying to do something within us and the word is forming and he's working within us. But what we have to understand is that the Almighty, he will keep his word. And we see this in Genesis chapter one, like even in the beginning when God's creating everything, what does he do? He speaks things into existence, right? And when you go back and read, God would speak something. Scripture says, God said this. And then the next verse will be, and that's what happened. God said this, and that's what happened. And we, when we think about holding God to his word, I almost was like God, like El Shaddai keeps his promises. But when you read through these scriptures, you don't really see God saying a whole lot, I promise to, I promise to, I promise to, I promise to. No, what he's doing, he doesn't just make promises. He declares his will. Like, like he declares his will. He just says something's going to happen. And when you go back and, and even if you read when God's speaking to Abraham in eight verses, he says eight times, I will. When he's having that conversation with Abraham about what he's going to do, he says, I will eight times. And then when you go back to, to Exodus chapter six, when Moses is talking to him, I'm just going to read this. Like in these verses, this is what he says. 
Say to the people, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression. I will rescue you. I will redeem you. I will claim you. I will be your God. I will bring you into the land I swore. I will give it to you. I am the Lord. He's not, he's not making a bunch of promises. He's just telling you what he's gonna do. Because when he says what he's gonna do, guess what he does? He does it. And there's many of us in this room, myself included, we've made promises with good intentions. Like, I consider it a good week if I keep 90% of my word. But you're a pastor. You should keep 100% of your word. I'm not God. I'm a pastor. My name is Stephen, not El Shaddai, okay? If I can keep 90% of my word, it's a good week. And like, when, when that word does not get fulfilled, it's because things happen outside of my control that I can't get it fulfilled. That doesn't happen with God because there is nothing that is out of his control. When he makes a declaration and he declares his will, it is going to happen. It's going to happen. Say, it's going to happen. He keeps his word. He, he, he's a keeper of his word. He made the word to Abraham. And here's what we have to understand about this. Let me just pause for a minute. He, he gave Abraham his word. You'll be the father of many nations. And Abraham was like, I don't even have a son. He's wanting the right now, but God's saying, my word is not just for, for you and now, my word is for them and then. And a lot of times God has spoken things to us through his word or maybe in our spirit and we think it's for right now, but would you be okay if some of the promises that God has for you are not fulfilled in your life, but they're planted in your life for the next generation? Hebrews even says that, that the saints of old had a good reputation because of their faith, but they did not receive everything that God had promised it, but they welcomed it from a distance. Can we be okay with that? It's hard. But God stands true to his word. He keeps his word. The Almighty acts with power to achieve his purpose. And I almost worded it this way, but then I got to praying and reading. It's like, God's so powerful, he can do anything. He can do everything. But the Almighty acts with power not to do anything and everything, but to achieve his purpose and his purpose only. Because we've all said, God, God can do anything. We like to believe that, but honestly, thank, thank you that he can't do everything. He's like, what do you mean? He can't go against his word. He can't lie. He can't change who he is. He can't change his nature because if he did those things, guess who he wouldn't be? He would not be God. And so he uses his power. He is all powerful to complete his will. And think about what's going on in Egypt with Moses. And he's saying, Moses is saying, look, why did you send me here? And God's like, watch what I'm about to do because it's bigger than you. And it usually gets rougher. Can I just be honest? It's like Paul's like, like imagine, like there was probably some excitement and, and nervousness for Moses. Like, like, let's go do this great thing and set my people go. And Pharaoh says no, and it makes it harder. How many times have we been like, God's calling us to do something and we feel like there's a breakthrough coming and let's go plant a church. It's gonna be awesome. And COVID, <laughs> right? Like, like we get this push forward 
But oftentimes there will be a pressing before there's a breakthrough. We see this time and time and time again in scripture. That doesn't mean God's arm is short as like Isaiah finds out. Like his arm's not too short. His, his arm is powerful and he's working even in that. And, and, and when I'm thinking about this, and I'm guilty, sometimes we will pray for God to move on our behalf. And that's a selfish prayer. And I get we want God to move on our behalf, but he only moves on his behalf. Break that down, was it? He moves for his purpose. And if our purpose lines up with his purpose, then he moves on his purpose. Not our purpose, because our purpose is now lined up with his. We think, oh, he's moving on my purpose. No, you just finally got in line with his purpose and he's moving on his purpose. <laughs> you guys pick up what I'm putting down, right? He's always moving on his purpose, not ours. And when we line up in his purpose, he's still not moving on our purpose. It's his purpose. He moves on his behalf, not ours. And it's not about aligning God's hand with our purpose. It's about aligning our hearts with God's hand and his purpose. Because his power is acting to achieve his purpose. That's what the Almighty does. He's all-powerful for his purpose. The Almighty is this. The third one is the Almighty is all-sufficient. He supplies everything. He's not lacking anything. He has all that he needs. He doesn't need us, but he wants us. He doesn't need our gifts, but he gives them to us to glorify him. And we see this happen like with, with Abraham. God gives Abraham a promise and it takes too long. So what does Abraham do? He tries to help God out, thinking God's not, you're, you're moving too slow. You must not be sufficient enough. Let me help you out. And so Abraham and Sarah devise a plan. Abraham gets Sarah's servant, and they produce Ishmael, and Ishmael's still giving us a hard time today, right? But what Abraham saw was God was not sufficient enough, that his word was not sufficient enough, that his power was not sufficient enough. And when we have this view of God based on our finite view of what we see right now in this time span, in this time span, in our world, we start to see God is lacking something. He's not lacking anything. We're lacking patience. We're lacking faith. We're lacking understanding and doubting God's word. Abraham's doubting his power, doubting his sufficiency. And after he messes up, that's when God jumps back in the scene and says, Abraham, I am El Shaddai. I am all sufficient. I know what you tried with Hagar and your wife's plan. It didn't go so well. Just wait on me. Let my power be all sufficient. Let my word be true. And so we see that God's true to his word. El Shaddai is true to his word. He acts with power and he's all sufficient. And we really see this play out more in the book of Job. El Shaddai in the Old Testament is mentioned about 48 times. 31 of those times, El Shaddai is mentioned in the book of Job. And when you think of El Shaddai meaning all-sufficient one, and you understand and you know the story of Job who had everything, had everything and then lost everything, not because he was evil, but you read the story, it's because he was righteous. Satan shows up before the host, the heavenly host and says, you know, what's up? And God's like, have you seen my servant Job? And Satan is like, the only reason he is worshiping you and he is 
honoring you is because your hand of blessing is on him. Remove your hand and he will curse you. God says, okay, you can, you can give it a try. It's not gonna do it, just don't, don't touch his body. And so Job loses everything. Loses his kids, loses his home, loses his farm, like loses everything. And this is his response in Job chapter one, verse 21. After losing everything, this is what he says. Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Curse the name of the Lord forever. No, what does he say? Praise the name of the Lord forever. Job had an understanding of who El Shaddai was, that he kept his word, that he was all-powerful. Job understood that if he had nothing else, he still had El Shaddai. In him was all sufficiency. In him was all that he needed. I'm, I'm going back and reading this, this older book, and I've mentioned it a couple of times, called The Pursuit of God. And, and in it, the author talks about that, that the space in our heart is meant for nothing else and no one else but our creator. But our creator in his gifting has given us all these blessings of things and relationships. And what we've done is we have moved him out of the place of our heart. And we have put all the things that our creator has given us in that space that is meant only for him. And we are sad for want of more of him. And we're stuffing more of what he's given us in our heart. And, and looking at this, this story of Job, where Job loses everything. And he has the conversation with God. He's questioning God. His friends are trying to give him some advice. He's questioning God. And God says, brace yourself like a man. I'm getting ready to speak. I don't want to hear my dad talk to me that way, little own the creator of the heavens and the earth. I'm going in the closet, locking the door. He says, brace yourself like a man. I'm getting ready to speak. And God begins over the next few chapters at the end of Job to talk about his greatness. Where were you when I was forming the earth? Do you know where the snow and the rains are stored? Do you know where the winds come from? And, and Job is getting this picture of the El Shaddai, the, the, the all-sufficient one. And so when we look at this and we, we ask ourselves this question, is that my phone? Who is that? Is that El Shaddai? Here we go. Let's, let's, let's sing. I'm just kidding. But if we were to look, if our life were to hit an intersection like Job, where we lost everything, if God was all we had and we had nothing else, would he be enough? Would he be enough? If we were to lose all of our Christian, all of our American modern comforts, if we lost it all, could we be like Job and say, God, you, you are enough? Could we say that? Because when we can say that, then we really, really, truly know who El Shaddai is. And here's the thing about it is that we, we don't like to talk about it in this faith. Because of the last 30 years, we've, we've talked about purpose and prosperity, but sometimes the purpose and the prosperity comes in the pressing, and it comes in the pain, comes into understanding who God is, seeing him in the valleys, not just the mountaintops. If, if everything else is taken away, is he still God to us? And so I ask this question. Um, when things like this are happening to us, when you look at, at Moses 
and what he's going through. You look at the children of Israel, what they're experiencing. And you look at Abraham's promise being unfulfilled. And you look at Job and what he's going through. And many of us may be going through things like, God, are you really almighty? Because right now it seems like you're all missing, right? And, and we ask this question, it's like, why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? Maybe a better question to ask, a deeper question, is now that I'm going through this, how will I respond to God? <clears throat> now that I'm going through this, how am I gonna respond to God? There's really only two options. Get further away or closer to. Get further away closer to. Our first response goes all the way back when Adam and Eve disobeyed. Instead of running to, they went further away. But what we're called to do is to get closer to so that we can know him, not know about, but yada, know him intimately. You can't do that from a distance. We have to do that up close. And so in this room, where is El Shaddai calling you to trust that he will keep his word? Where is El Shaddai calling you to trust that he will keep his word? Maybe you've stepped out on faith to do something. Maybe you're moving in a direction closer to God, but it's getting harder. Freedom's coming, but it's getting harder. Why? Where is God calling you to trust his power Maybe even this, where is God trimming some things in your life to where he's calling you and I for him to be our El Shaddai, all sustaining, all sufficing, nothing else but him. We go back to our first statement. The more we know Yahweh, the more he is trusted, the more Yahweh is trusted, the more he is sought to be trusted. That's our prayer. That's our hope for you, that in this season, as we end 2023, going to, that, that you would know him more, to trust him more, so that you will put yourself out there to trust him more. And we'll look next week how, like how far Abraham went in trusting El Shaddai. And so I want to pray for us. And I want to do a couple of things. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm actually gonna have um, one of our coordinators pray over you guys. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna ask three things. I'm gonna ask you to respond. Um, El Shaddai keeps his word. If you're in this room today and you are waiting on God to keep his word, we wanna pray that you would stay faithful and trusting that he keeps his word. And if that's you today, I wanna invite you just to lift your hand and you can put it right back down. God, I need you to keep your word. El Shaddai, I'm trusting that you keep your word. You don't make promises, you declare your will. If you're here today and you're needing God's power to show up in your life, whether it's healing in your body, whether it's something going on at work, whether it's freedom from addiction, you need his power to show up in your life. Would you raise your hand? Awesome. And then if you're here today and you feel like maybe God's trimming some things in your life and you don't know why, 
Maybe some things are falling off, some relationships are falling off, some, some work schedules are going crazy, and just some things that you thought would line up are actually falling out. And that could be that there's some trimming that's taking place so that he can become the all-sufficient one in your life. And if that's you, would you lift your hand? Awesome. And as we pray, Chris is gonna pray over those needs and right where you're seated. And maybe you didn't lift your hand, but it's our prayer that you would see El Shaddai as the all-sufficient, the all-powerful, the all-promise-keeping one. good thing about El Shaddai is you don't have to do anything to earn El Shaddai. If you lifted your hands today, know know that he's here, that his power is here, that he is sufficient. And though we don't deserve it, he freely and willingly gives it. So Father, El Shaddai, You know our needs, Father. You know the power that we need. You know where we need intervention, where we need guidance, where we need stability, where we need health, where we need favor, where we need peace. And I know you will not withhold your many blessings from the children that you love that if we ask anything in your will, that you would give it. That we'd, if we'd ask anything that lines up with your purpose, that you would give it. You are a great and powerful God. And the fact that we can come to you, that we can say your name, that we can say Yahweh, and still have breath in our lungs, is a testament to your beauty, to your mercy and to your power. Father, meet those needs today. Meet those needs this week. And to everyone that raised their hand, Father, Lord, I pray that you would be evident in their life. They would see you and feel you and experience you in a new way this week, Father. That they would be left with no doubt that El Shaddai had his hand on them. Lord, as those prayers are answered, maybe it's this week, maybe it's next month, maybe it's in the next generation, may we accept what you have for us, Father, and that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jehovah, Yahweh, Elohim, with everything I have that I lift this up to you. Amen. Amen. Left his stuff. I wonder if somebody's going to be taking that home. Um, what's there to say? <laughs> I mean, we just heard about El Shaddai. There's not much left to, not much left to say. All right, well, Announcements. He skipped over them because he had to cut out early. Um, you've all been, you've all should have received an email. You can go online and look at the website. We have CASA coming up. Sign up to sponsor a child. We have Friends Miss coming up on December 2nd. You can 
would sign up for that. And then we have baby dedications or young children. Doesn't have to be an infant. But we have child dedication on December 3rd at the 9 a.m. and the 11 a.m. service. Um, our prayer team is going to be up here at the front. If you need prayer more than just somebody standing up here praying in general, I challenge you, come meet with a prayer team member. Take that step of faith to share what that specific need is, if you can, and let them pray with you. And if you did pray for salvation, maybe today or at a previous time, and you've not told us that, come share that with a prayer team member. When we say we want to walk with you, we absolutely 100% genuinely mean we want to walk with you. We are not checking a box. We are not counting salvations and doing high fives. We want to walk with you. We want to help you take your next steps. If you have experienced salvation, we have a gift for you. We can talk about baptism. We can talk about the next starting point. We will help you take your next steps. You will not walk your new relationship alone. If you have experienced salvation and you don't know what your next step is, if you haven't done a new here connect, that's your next step. If you've done new here and haven't done starting point, that's your next step. If you have done starting point, but you haven't filled out your, uh, your paperwork to be on an A-team yet, that's your next step. If you've done all those, but you're not serving yet, that's your next step. So again, we will help you get to whatever that next step is for you. So prayer team, if you guys can come forward so they can put eyes on you so that you know I'm being serious. But no, y'all stand. Again, a church that lingers last. You don't have to run out of here. But if you have a prayer need, please take our prayer team up on it. They'll be up here. I'll be up here for a second. We love you guys. We hope you have a wonderful week. Go and be blessed.